0: This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15. Welcome to a special Faith at Work Veterans Day podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. This past week, we honored the veterans who have and who continue to serve our country through their military service. Many of them literally followed Jesus' commandment to love their friends and their neighbors to the ultimate extent by laying down their lives on the battlefield, in the skies, and on the sea. They all left behind mourning mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, and children, who would never again feel the warmth of their embrace. To them we owe great honor. Many of those who survived the conflicts in which they fought Came home carrying life changing wounds. Some suffered painful physical wounds and faced life with lost limbs and other disabilities to overcome. Mm-hmm. Others suffer from PTSD and other psychological issues. Many have mental images and memories that they need to suppress or forget. For all who have been in mortal combat, there's a need for spiritual healing. That only faith can provide. The greatest tool for healing is remembrance. And remembrance is best accomplished by the telling of stories. That's one of the great tragedies that become obvious when we visit the graves of unknown soldiers or see black MIA flags flying. Not only have we lost these heroes, but we have also lost their stories them we will need to be satisfied by substituting the stories of others and by using our creative imaginations. Even though their names are not known, they are not forgotten, and God remembers their names. So today I'm going to devote our time to telling some stories, some of my own, some that have been shared with me, and some in the words of others. All of us have our own family stories, that have been passed down. Those of us who have those who are still serving have stories that are still being written. My family stories start with my father. He was only 12 years old when World War I broke out, and he ran away from home to enlist. He was sent back home twice, but later related that he considered himself fortunate to serve as an army cook between the wars. My uncle was doing electrical wiring in the engine room of the USS Ringgold in the South Pacific, when two torpedoes entered the hull near where he was working. Fortunately, they were both duds, and he returned home from the war without a scratch. And finally, my brother served in the Marines during the Korean War. He was stationed in Puerto Rico throughout the war and escaped the horrors that his fellow Marines experienced across the Pacific. I honor my relatives who have served, and thank God that their stories have happy endings. There are also stories to remember on my wife's side of the family. Her father served in the Navy on Saipan as an aircraft mechanic, patching up planes as they returned from combat. When damaged planes managed to return, he often had to help with the wounded airmen and remove the remains of those who died. One day he was called away from his work and surprised by two of his brothers who were in the army and who happened to be passing through Saipan. A fourth brother and their family was fighting in Europe at the time and was part of the Liberation Forces. Their story or their stories have a happy ending. All came home and survived into their 80s and 90s in the same small town. One remaining brother is still playing the guitar at 101. Those are a few of the family heroes that I honor. I'm sure that you can come up with your own family stories or solicit the stories of friends who have served. Keep those stories alive. Both the happy endings and the tragic losses are healing, and they're an important legacy for us to keep alive. I'd like to repeat the poem that I recite every year at this time, In Flanders Fields, by John McCrae. In Flanders fields the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, That mark our place, and in the sky the larks, Still bravely singing fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow. Loved and were loved and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe, to you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' field. I've also been blessed to know some W. Uh, World War II heroes who have in their later years... Been able to share their stories. One day I was sitting in my office and Edor, a 90 year old member of my congregation, knocked on my door and asked to see me. Edor was a quiet gentleman who, who all of the single Norwegian women in the church had a crush on. He came to tell me his story of the war. Edor was drafted off the farm in North Dakota. His dad, in addition to farming, was a lineman working on install installing the power lines which were bringing electricity to rural America. Eodor was following in his father's work and was also trained to become a lineman. Perhaps because it became known that Edor could deal with heights, he was sent to paratrooper school. Edor's timing couldn't have been worse. Days after he cleared jump school, he found himself in the belly of a C-47 over Normandy as a part of the D-Day invasion. Along with thousands of other British, Canadian, and American paratroopers, Edor pushed himself into the dark void of night to an unknown landing spot. He said that he joined his comrades, reciting the Lord's Prayer over the roar of the engines as they fell away from the aircraft. The drop was poorly organized. Some of Edor's unit drowned in marshes upon landing, unable to free themselves from their gear. Edor, like many others, found himself used for target practice of the infantry waiting below, who illuminated the skies with flares. Edor was wounded in the shoulder and thigh and lay bleeding, pinned down by enemy fire for two days before they were able to rescue him uh, by the advancing Allied forces. He was one of the few in his unit to survive, and after several weeks in the hospital, he was deemed fit for duty, and sent back into combat. Edor returned home and served as a lineman for many years. Edor and his wife have both since passed away. I'm proud to have known him and been able to share his story. Another of my cherished saints is Ernie. Ernie was also in his nineties when I was serving as his pastor. He had the carriage and stride of a man 30 years younger. In addition to being the warmest person on our ushering crew, Ernie was always around the church helping out. He replenished pencils and greeting pads in the church pews. He also walked regular patrols at the church parking lot, picking up litter. Ernie was a true gentleman. He dressed meticulously, always in a suit and tie on Sunday morning. He lived in the same senior apartment complex with my 90-year-old mother, He was a candy maker and often made fudge for her. He also insisted that she meet him in the lounge to receive her candy. He was afraid people would talk if he went to her apartment. Now that's a gentleman to the end. Like Edor, Ernie came to my office one day to tell his story. Since his son Steve is a friend of mine, I'll use his words to tell the story. Ernie and his three brothers enlisted in the armed services, much to the extreme dismay of of his mom, Hattie, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Ernie joined the Marines and loved Marine Boot Camp. Since he was the oldest of the four boys, he was only allowed to go through eight grades of school. After that, he and his dog, each day but Sunday, would hike out past the three-mile Highway 14 bridge, hunt all day in forests, farmers' fields, and along railroad tracks, and then walk home loaded with pheasant, rabbit, squirrel, and any other game he could find. This was after working all night until 4 a.m. in the local bakery. So when Ernie got to Marine Boot Camp, which was supposed to be the hardest of all the services, he loved it. I still have letters Dad sent to Grandma saying how much fun he was having. Three huge meals each day and they let him sleep all night. And the extended hikes, as they were called, were like a walk in the park for him. He never got one blister. And he told Grandma, how could I not hit the targets at the shooting range? They were all standing still. So he got his expert marksmanship badge the next day. He was shipped out to Saipan. Ernie was a member of the 2nd Marine Division. The incursion force, which was anchored one and a half miles offshore to avoid gunfire from the island, Japanese. He was in the seventh incursion wave, one wave an hour. And by the time it was his turn, the Marines on board could see bodies, and body parts, helmets, and blood-red ocean water out that far. He said that more Marines vomited seeing that than due to fear of the beachhead or seasickness. This was 15 June 1944, the day Saipan was incurred by the U.S. Marines to secure the island. He jumped off the landing craft, a Higgins boat, and hit the beach scared as hell, just like everyone else. He was on the beach about 15 minutes when a Japanese mortar shell hit a support vehicle he was near and blew it apart. A large piece of shrapnel, which I have on display at home, tore into Dad's chest, ripping off his pectoralis muscles and parts of his anterior ribs and sternum. He laid nearly mortally wounded in the sand until a medic could help him. He told me while he was laying there, bleeding out, and not being able to breathe, he prayed to God that if God spared his life, he would honor and praise God until the day he died. And he did as who everyone who knew him at the church was aware. Ernie was taken to a naval hospital ship and then spent six months at the naval hospital in Honolulu. He was still in the hospital on a cot with open chest wounds when he was awarded the Purple Heart Medal by General Smith, with FDR in attendance at the so-called ceremony. Dad said the ceremony consisted of Dad laying on the cot General Smith handing him the box with the medal, stating that our president was behind him and thanking him for his service. Then he asked Dad when he could get back to serving our country. And Dad said, General Smith, sir, I'll be back as soon as I can stand up without passing out. Sir, he said he remembered saying sir twice and was embarrassed. He did return to active duty for quite a while and then shipped home. Sarah got a telegram from the Secretary of the Navy in July stating her husband was wounded in the service to the United States of America. That was it. She knew nothing for another two to three months. Very hard times for Mom. I hope this helps. Thank you for letting me tell his story. And thank you, Steve, for telling it. Your dad and all those brave men and women who fought in World War II— will not be forgotten. Unfortunately, I do not have any stories from Vietnam veterans to relate. My friends and those who I know who have served in Vietnam have always been reticent of talking about their experiences and I respect that. I just hope that they feel honored on this day and find ways to heal for whatever they may have experienced and maybe one day tell their stories. One final story from a young man who came to me a few years ago to share his experiences in Afghanistan. Chris served several terms there as a sniper. And when he visited me, he sat silently for nearly 10 minutes before he could talk. He shared that he just felt empty since he had returned to civilian life. He talked about the constant stress and anxiety, not knowing when his base would take enemy fire. I asked Chris if it bothered him to be a sniper. It never bothered me. I only shot at targets at such a distance that it didn't seem like they were real people. But he looked at the floor. It only bothered me the first time I had to take a man's life with a knife. I feel like I was the one who was gutted. I can't feel anything. Chris and I talked about the war and God and forgiveness we prayed together, he didn't cry, and he left as quietly as he had entered. Chris died a few months later of causes not related to his service or depression, but I pray that Chris found some of the healing he needed. He needed spiritual healing, and I am confident that will God have, God will have mercy on him and give him peace, and we will remember him. Well, those are some of the stories of those we honor. Keep listening for them and keep sharing them. Thank you for being with me to hear them. And I close with a final blessing. May God bless and keep those who have served our country to provide the freedoms we enjoy. May God prepare a place in heaven for those who gave their lives. May God comfort those who said goodbye to a loved one and were never able to welcome them home again. God, heal the physical, emotional, and spiritual wounds that our veterans carry with them. God, protect those who are serving now. God, grant the world peace and replace hate with love. And may God fill our hearts with thanksgiving. Amen.